So this week, starting we're starting a new series called Therapy Sessions. And what we want to do through the month of October is walk through this area of mental health, specifically anxiety and depression. Now, I know there's a wider pandemic or a wider scope of a pandemic of COVID going on in our world right now, which is tough. But I think one we're not talking a whole lot about that I believe is becoming a pandemic in our world is mental health. People are struggling with anxiety and depression in ways that have never happened before. We're seeing more and more people struggle with mental health and the rise of, I would say, even younger people struggling with mental health. And I've always been somebody, as I continue to learn more and more about anxiety and depression and mental health, that I want to walk into some of these areas and begin to hopefully lay a foundation for you so that we know how to walk through these things. And we're not clueless. And it's we're not like, I've never heard about this in church, so I don't know how to walk through this. And so I want to say at the forefront, I don't have all the answers. I'm not a a, a specialist. I, I don't specialize in mental health, but I will tell you that I continue to learn more and more about mental health. And I want to walk into this with some of the knowledge that I've gained, hopefully giving you some of a foundation when it comes to mental health. And so today, what I really want to lay the foundation for is defining what anxiety is, defining on what anxiety is. Because I think an interesting thing that I've heard from a couple different people, they have said this, that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. So so you're talking about people in our world today exhibiting some of the same levels of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s, which if you just think about a little bit of what was going on during this time, we've just come off of World War One. we've just kind of slowly come off of kind of at the very, very end of the Great Depression, World War Two. there was the Roaring Twenties in there as well, and the Cold War is somewhat beginning to happen, and so you're seeing all of these different things, blood being shed, countries at war, and they should have anxiety, and the, the logical thinking is, yeah, these people should have anxiety, and we're exhibiting the same levels, the same levels of anxiety as psychiatric patients in the 1950s. That's got to raise some eyebrows. That's got to get us thinking, well, maybe maybe we do need to begin to talk about this a little bit. And so, what is anxiety? When you think of anxiety, what do you think about? What, what defines anxiety to you? Uh, to, to give you a little example of maybe what anxiety is, is those that know me know I have this very weird anxiety. I know I don't know what's wrong with me, but it's an anxiety. I accept it. I live with it. And it is what it is. But I have a huge anxiety to know where the bathroom is when I go to places. So so if I walk into a place and I've never been there before, one of the first things that I will do is I walk and locate the bathroom. This is in a restaurant. I got to have eyes on the bathroom. If I'm coming over to your house the first time, it may look like I'm trying to kind of walk around your house just to see it. You know, oh, that's a cool picture. But really what I'm doing in the back of my head is I got to find this bathroom. 
And you might say, Taylor, well, why, why does that give you anxiety? Here's, here's my reasoning of why it gives me anxiety. Because what happens if I have to use the bathroom and I don't know where the, where the bathroom is and so I go in my pants? What if I have to throw up and it's coming quick and I need to know where the bathroom is and I don't know where it's at? I'm going to throw up either on the floor, on myself, or on the table. What happens if I just need some time to kind of regroup and get myself together and just get away for a second and I don't know where the bathroom is and so I'm going to freak out and have a mental breakdown or start crying right here at the table? These may seem like very insignificant things to you, but oh, let me tell you, this is detrimental to me. I need to know where the bathroom is because it freaks me out when I don't know where it is. And you might look at that and you go, well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm telling you, when, when I go to meet somebody and I'm going someplace I've never been before, I'm looking on the website trying to figure out where the bathroom is if they got pictures on there. I'm looking on Google Maps trying to figure out if I can see any pictures about this place because I need to know if there's a bathroom close by just in case I need to use it. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking about it. What happens if there's no bathroom there? Nothing will give me higher anxiety than to go somewhere and there is no bathroom. Because it makes me feel secure when there is. You know, we were at a celebration a few weeks ago. And we were at this place and, and all they had were like these outdoor bathrooms or pooter pots that you could use the bathroom in. And I remember as we walked up to this place, I'm sitting down at the table with Shannon thinking to myself, this is not going to be good because also one of the things that gives me high anxiety is not only is there no bathroom, but it's a bathroom that we all have to share and it's one tiny room that I've got no place to feel like I can even breathe, let alone move. And so my anxiety starts to shoot through the roof. I start to get sweaty palms and clammy hands and, and my face gets hot and I start sweating and I got to roll my sleeves up and, I, and the anxiety starts going like, what if this happens? I'm going to embarrass myself. What if, what if I go to the bathroom in my pants and nobody wants to be friends with me again? One of the most interesting things about anxiety is people cannot tell you how to feel. People cannot tell you that your anxiety is insignificant because they don't feel it the way that you feel it. They don't understand it the way you understand it. When you have anxiety, it's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. What you may have anxiety about, I don't have anxiety about. What I have anxiety about, you may not have any anxiety about because we're totally different people. You not knowing there's a bathroom where you're going is probably okay with you. But for me, it gives me anxiety. We can't tell each other whether their anxiety is warranted or not. And I feel like that's what we're doing in this generation. Well, don't have anxiety about that. Just tough it out a little. Well, you don't need to have anxiety because I got it all under control. The problem in our world is we're knowing so much about the world that it's actually not giving us more information to become smarter, but it's actually giving us more anxiety because we know so much. And what if these outcomes happen? Anxiety is a pandemic that we're facing. So for the next few moments, I want to unpack what is anxiety? 
anxiety, this main idea, anxiety is a what-if problem. Anxiety is when we begin to walk down these paths and we get spun in the infinite web of what-ifs, continuing to dwell on all of these thoughts, and we can't get it out of our mind because we just keep asking, what if this happens? And so I want to walk through a handful of different people that have given some definitions on anxiety, mesh these together, and close it out. Google defines anxiety as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Let me read that again. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. We like to know the outcome of things. I think one of the most stressful anxiety-producing events is when we don't know what's going to happen. Because we want to be in control. We want to know. Stephen Cuss wrote this book. It's called Managing Leadership Anxiety that I read uh, on recommendation from my dad who was reading the book at the time. And, And so he has this to say about anxiety. I think it's a phenomenal book if you want to Uh, read about anxiety or especially reading about how to manage your anxiety as a leader. He says anxiety is whatever response happened next after you're not getting what you think you need. Whatever response happens next after you're not getting what you think you need. And we think we need a lot of things. David Marvin, he's the leader of the porch in Dallas, Texas, Dallas, Texas, a young adult gathering of about two, 3,000 people in their 20s and 30s. And he says this. He just wrote a book that I bought. It's called Why Are We All Freaking Out or We're All Freaking Out. And I think uh, I'm excited to read it because it's all about mental health. And he says this. Anxiety is the feeling you get when there's an intersection of what you value and believe and it's at risk. Anxiety is the feeling you get when there is an intersection of what you value and believe and it's at risk. So, so, so let me play this out for you for a second. Let's just imagine that I'm outside mowing my grass. I'm outside. It's a hot day. I, I'm, I, I got my shorts on, my tank top on. I'm pushing this mower. I love mowing the grass because I like to see just it become all this one length and how the lines look so good in the grass and and to try to get all rid of all the excess grass so it just looks very uniformed and so I I get very proud of my grass but I'm also not one of those people who wants to go through and, and, and you know with scissors and and a little little shovel out there pulling all these weeds I just like it to look nice and clean cut. So let's imagine I'm out there mowing my grass and Shannon's out there with our daughter Willow and she can't walk yet, but just imagine with me, she's a few years older. So I'm pushing on on the side of our house to mow mow the grass and she's walking in the front of our house. And as she's walking through the yard with our our daughter, they're just kind of walking around playing. I see on the ground what appears to be a snake. What appears to be a snake. So, So I quickly let go of the mower and I shout at Shannon and Will, hey! Don't move. Don't get any closer. There's a snake. And so they stop and they sit there for a second. Because what's happening now is something that I value, Shannon and Willow, people I value so much, are now at an intersection of risk because I believe that there's a snake there. And so I start to get closer to to, to go take care of this snake. And as I get closer, 
All it is is a stick that's fallen from the tree that's right above their head. But what happened was I was back a far ways. And so what appeared to be a snake, I believed this stick was a snake. And so my people that I valued were at risk of getting hurt. And it produced in me this anxiety. It produced an anxiety because what I valued was at risk because I believed something was going to put them at risk. This is what he's saying. Something you feel when there's an intersection of something you value and something you believe to make it at risk. Ben Stewart, he's a pastor at Passion Church in Washington, D.C., says this, Anxiety is a condition of the heart that brings sinful states of mind. Anxiety is the condition of the heart that brings sinful states of mind. Chris Wilde spoke at uh, my favorite pastor's church, Judah Smith, over in Washington in the uh, California area. And he said this, he spoke on the topic of anxiety, and he says, Anxiety is not just a response to concrete events, but an infinite web of what-ifs and a negative belief about the world itself. It's not just concrete events, but an infinite web of what-ifs and a negative belief about the world itself. He also says anxiety is a belief that we will not be okay. I feel like if there was one simple definition out of all of these people that have just said something, this right here is what you could, could, could boil it down to. And it says anxiety is a belief that we will not be okay. You get anxious because you believe you or somebody else that you value will not be okay. And it produces these what-if scenarios. It produces worry. It produces nervousness. It produces unease in you. One of the most famous passages, probably on anxiety in the Bible, is Matthew 6, 25, says this, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? This word here, when he says, this is why I tell you not to worry, worry, this word worry means to meditate on constantly or dwell on. So, so let's throw this in there for a second. This is why I tell you not to constantly meditate on, or this is why I tell you not to dwell on everyday life. Constantly think about, can't get it out of my head. Always thinking about everyday life. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What if I don't have enough? What if we run out? This is what Jesus is saying. Why should you worry about this? Even the birds don't worry about what they eat. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Do you believe that you have a father that sees you as valuable and in control? So if we mesh all these together, this is the definition I came up with. Anxiety is a response at the intersection of what we value and believe. And we're left with the answer, of what if, and all we can do is dwell on it. Let me read that again. Anxiety is a response at the intersection of what we value and believe, and we're left with the answer of what if, and all we can do is dwell on it. So it's a response when we have the intersection of what we value and believe, and it's at risk, and all we're left with is what if, what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, and all we can do is think about it. This is what anxiety is. This is what our world is dealing with. So let's just imagine here for a second that I have this glass of water. 
I have this glass of water. And many of you know that, that when water comes into this like gaseous state, it becomes fog. Okay, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not a, a, a scientist, a meteorologist, whatever you want to say. I don't know how fog's created, but, but, but we all know that, this, that water can turn into fog. So let's just imagine this glass here for a second. What's very interesting to me is that this glass, whether you want to believe it or not, can create four stories high and seven blocks long of fog. This one tiny glass of water can create that much fog. Let's put that into perspective. The circle in our church, if you go a little higher than that, that's about how tall it can be. And seven blocks long would be about all the way to Brookside. So fog as tall as the circle and as far away from here as Brookside is, which isn't really that far in comparison, but is kind of far. That's how much fog can be created from this one glass of water. When we're dealing with anxiety that seems so small, like where is the bathroom in this place? To you, it may seem like a very small, insignificant thing. But what it's doing in my mind is creating fog that is four stories high and seven blocks long. And I don't know how just this small thing can do it other than I continue to dwell on it, meditate on it, constantly asking the what if questions. And I'm not going to be okay. What our anxiety is producing is so much fog in our lives that we can't see clearly and it seems so small, yet the fog from it is so big and the what-ifs we continue to go down are so deep. What are you dwelling on in this life? What are the what-ifs you're asking in your life? That, that at the intersection of what you value, believe, and it's at risk, what is your anxiety about? Nobody can tell you whether it's warranted or not. But I think what's very interesting is a lot of our anxiety, as we see in Matthew 6, comes from us thinking that we're the ones that are supposed to be in control. Yet God says, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Maybe the anxiety in your life you've never wanted to recognize, but you're starting to begin to see how it's wearing on your body and you need to begin to dwell on it, thinking about it, talking about it, diving into it because it's tearing you apart. It's okay to admit you're not okay. It's okay to say, I have a battle of anxiety. What we want to do as the believers around each other is help you walk through your mental health struggles so that we can begin to take the grip of worry and anxiety off of our lives that Satan's trying to drown us in so that we don't trust God. There's a story in Luke chapter 8 as I close here uh, where... Jesus is telling about this guy who plants seeds and, and, and some of these seeds fall in different areas. And it says here in Luke 8 verse 7, Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And you might say, Taylor, what does that have anything to do? Just put yourself in, in the shoes of the seeds. He's throwing seeds. Some of it lands in good soil. Some of it lands on rocks. Some of it lands on uh, 
not good soil and so so all these seeds fall and he says some of the seeds fell among the thorns and so they grew up with it they were in these thorns growing up with it but as they grew up they got choked out by the thorns because they just couldn't survive and we just like the seeds fall into the thorns of this word world which are the worries of this world the anxieties of these worlds so we grow up with these anxieties we grow in with these anxieties and these worries and what they're doing is choking us out to where we feel like literally we can't even breathe but spiritually and emotionally we can't breathe because the worries are just too much in this world and we're letting the thorns win. We're letting the thorns choke us out. We're letting the anxiety take our life away. You want to find answers to your anxiety? You need to begin to figure out what are you dwelling on? What are stuff that you value and they're at an intersection of being at risk because you believe something not to be true? Anxiety is a what-if problem in an infinite web that has no end. When we got married, Shannon can probably remember this very clearly, but I, I, I'm somebody that I've realized later in life have a lot of anxiety I've not dealt with. And so when we got married, uh, we were going to Michigan City to stay for our honeymoon. But the very first night, we spent the night at my house, and then we were going up to my parents' cottage for the night so we could stay up there before we headed on to Michigan uh, on Monday. And so Sunday we go up there and we slept for a while because we were so tired. And then we just kind of hung out and then went to dinner. And then we came back and we, we got our chairs and we went and sat out on the beach as the sun was setting. Sat out on the beach. And I can remember sitting on the beach with Shannon and going through this huge, almost anxiety attack of what did I just do? I've not been somebody that's ever committed to anybody. So this is one of the first times that I've committed to somebody. And not only have I committed to somebody, I've committed to somebody for the rest of my life. And I'm having anxieties. Did I make the right decision? Will I be a good husband? I feel trapped. I don't know what to do. And all of this anxiety starts overcoming me. And, and I'm telling Shannon about some of these things that I'm feeling almost in tears because I feel like I made a mistake because the anxiety is believing me to understand that I have made a mistake. What I valued in my time, in, in my space, in my life is at risk of being choked out by my wife because that's the kind of perception I got of marriage is that I no longer have a life of my own which in a sense is true. But I've Satan wanted me to keep believing that your life is over. And you got to listen to this woman the rest of your life whether you like it or not. And my anxiety soared through the roof. Many of us are sitting on the beach right now. And our anxiety is tearing us apart. We're dwelling on it. We may even be talking to people about it. But what we need to do in order to take the first step in dealing with our anxiety is understanding what it is. And anxiety is a response at the intersection of what we value and believe. And we're left with the answer of what if 
and all we can do is dwell on it. Anxiety is a what-if problem that we need to begin to dive into.